0: This is Design School as a podcast for the growing designer. Those interested in design, starting their career in design, or looking for a reminder of why they went into design.
1: This is Design School.
0: this episode, we interview Salong Chun, a communications associate for the Tacoma Community House and founder of the Red Scarf Revolution. Salong shares how his early upbringing in Cambodia has impacted his work and about the importance of identity, persistence, and design as a center point for community, advocacy, and
2: activism. Salong Chun, thank you so much for being on This Is Design School with us today.
1: Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure and it's an honor to be in the presence of professionals. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, we, uh, we're excited to talk to you because you have a story that is not exactly the traditional route. And I think that it is one that we really want students to know or professionals to know that it's not just a, a straight trajectory into design school or into a design career. So how did you get to here?
1: How did I get here? Um, Graphic design and design in general was something that I've never even considered growing up as a kid. What brought me here today was really the curiosity and my interest in music, which is two totally different things. To me, I found a way to to kind of relate those two things and how they are the same to me. So I started out um, pursuing audio engineering and production. I went to Green River Community College for broadcast communications and uh, discovered that I like the production part of audio more, producing, underwriting, and um, just sound design, and editing, and putting sounds together to create a piece. And I discovered that I I really like uh, producing and editing audio more than I do being on air, so I left Green River Community College, went to the Art Institute of Seattle, where uh, I got into their audio production program. During that program, I discovered videography, and when you do video you need you know titles and graphics and then i was too broke to hire anybody to do graphic design so i I stumbled on design as a necessity and more of a curiosity thing pirated adobe suite like everybody else does oh yeah um, (laughs) self-taught you know kind of self-taught Fuck around photoshop here in a little bit just figuring out how to use the software and that really piqued my interest in doing. As I learned Photoshop was for photos, and I discovered that you know to do a lot of signage and T-shirts for screen printing, you need vectors. I'm like, what the hell is a vector, man? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so then here comes Illustrator, and um, Illustrator is probably the, the 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 software that I just began learning about four years ago. Been using Photoshop for a while, but. To me, um, all of those things kind of relate to each other uh, because I see design as a placement of objects within a space. And with audio, you're kind of doing the same thing. You're taking different instruments and frequencies of those instruments, like your kick drum and snare drum, trying to find a perfect space within that frequency, where design is kind of the same thing to me. You're taking objects and placing it within a space and creating a relationship that makes sense um, to me. More important than the design is the message you're putting out. Same thing with music. What's the message you're putting out? And here I am. Uh, I've started designing. Uh, I do a lot of t-shirt designs. And through that, I've been able to start freelancing as a graphic designer.
2: And you've worked with a couple of different organizations and a couple of different projects that you start yourself. What are some of the things that you've done with design?
1: Then? Okay, with design, uh, the thing that got really me into design to where I am today, I, I have to attribute to um, the clothing brand that I, I started called Red Scarf Revolution. So Red Scarf Revolution is... Uh, clothing brand but it's more I see it more as a platform and a way f- for me to get out the, the history of the Cambodian culture uh, what Red Scarf Revolution does is try to connect the youth to their history the, the Cambodian youth specifically to their history because you know um, if you're not aware of uh, the Khmer Rouge and the Cambodian's history in 1975 a communist regime called the Khmer Rouge took over and from 1975 to 1979 they, uh, they murdered about 1.8 million Cambodians. And during that time, they murdered the intellectuals, the artists. Anything that has to do with Western influence, they got rid of um, so they can run this utopia farming country. And that was their idea the The reason for Red Card Revolution is to kind of connect the youth to that part of history because that's the reason why we're here in the United States. Um, a, a lot of our parents and grandparents came here as refugees and they were too traumatized to talk about it. Like um, my dad used to talk about the war and his role in the war when I was small and younger, but I didn't understand it. I was too immature to even care because I, you know, I was trying to discover myself too. But and when I got a little older, I learned about the history and all the horrible things our parents and elders went through and for me it was really um, a revelation it's like man we need to know this especially this is our history because no one's going to tell it for us. So I'm using the Red Revolution brand and uh, the designs I create for those t-shirts as a way to tell a story and as a way to bridge the gap between our upcoming youth to to our history. Every design that I make that I put out with Red Scarf Revolution has some kind of meaning and connotation within the history. So each design is like a timeline of what went on.
2: That sounds fascinating, especially because you are connecting to the youth and their own history. Do you find other ways that design has been able to... Make those connection points for you.
1: Absolutely, because I, I grew up in you know in an urban setting. You would say the hood, and uh, I was connected to that. And now that I've seen that, I grew up. I used to skateboard, and you know uh, I produced beats, hip hop beats, and I used to rap as well. Uh, those platforms are a good way to connect to the youth so you know when you create a t-shirt design you don't want it just to not mean anything your design might look cool but to me the the message of the des- design is the most important so that's that is my way of you know elevating design to speak to the youth because they want to wear something that's cool and meaningful because, you know, growing up, go, go back a little bit. Growing up, I, I never seen anything that specifically um, identify you as a Cambodian, right? Um, Nike had those track jackets with Brazil in the back or Japan, but there was nothing about Cambodian. So I, there's, there's, a, there's a void there. And that's really my main motivation to begin to design these T-shirts and, and hoodies and clothing just to give our community, the youth, a sense of uh, identity. Because, you know, my generation didn't really have that.
2: I think identity is one of those things that we slowly kind of nurture and get into as we become more aware of who we are or who we want to be. I find as I teach, you see them curious, and then you see that maturity and growing in curiosity uh, as they get more experience. And it sounds like something similar happened with your trajectory with music to then design. Can you speak a little bit about that curiosity?
1: Yeah, like you you mentioned, it's curiosity. I was curious on how things work, just curious how things come together, how so different, so many different types of elements, like music, you have these, you know, so many types of instruments to create one masterpiece, and design is the same way. You're taking a lot of different objects and colors and typography, and it's just curiosity. Um, I just wanted to learn. I I was really interested in how things work and what is design. I didn't know. I'm just curious on how it works and how how do i see a a good design how did it get there so you kind of reverse engineer go mm-hmm. back 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 okay it's easy and as you reverse engineer then you try it on your own you know you, you know, there's a lot of influences good designs that you see and then you figure out you try to um how how do you, i get there so it's you know you it's just constantly learning mm-hmm. i think that's what motivates me the most is to continue to learn on how people achieve things and or how they come to it so i mean it's like monkey see monkey do i guess <laughs>
2: <laughs> amen to that yeah.
0: what was like so long that learning process of
1: it's frustrating because yeah. you have no fr- i have no formal training you mm-hmm. download software and you're just like and earlier in the 2000s when i discovered photoshop there's really not many tutorials online youtube was pretty new back then so I attribute that to learning how to record audio before I went to school. I would read the manual. You mm-hmm. know, uh, surprisingly, reading the manual instructions is very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> so I took that. I I used to read every pages of the manual of any audio equipment I get. I I used to have this four, Fostex four tracks digital four track that I used to record on a zip drive, brand new, no formal training. So I just read, make a lot of mistakes, make more mistakes. The more mistakes you make the better off you'll be at the end so Mm -hmm. that's how I got to where I am now I'm just mistakes you fall a lot but you have to get back up right
2: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah
0: in that so in that process like there's the the skills of the software and then there's the like leading by example of going out and finding these things that are that seem to be working well yes and then I'm curious about, like, the the process along the way of, okay, like, gaining some competency in the software, and then there's these things that, like, these good examples that I want to make. Like, how did you connect A to B? Like, what was the toughest part about that as a learning process
1: the toughest part the most challenging thing is when you create something is putting it out there to see what the reception is Mm -hmm. I know sometimes I tend to overthink and overanalyze and over criticize the stuff that I do and I understand that I'm never gonna be happy with it Uh, you have to get to a point where it's like okay this is good enough and then you put it out there into the world see how it's received I'm different in in the ways. That I think I should ask for more input, but the more people I ask, the more input that I get that that I don't agree with. So my my ultimate thing to get from A to B, my process is whatever I do, I put it out, see what the reception is, and if that works, then I'll con- I'll continue to build up on that. If I put it out there and. People say it sucks, like a for a t-shirt, if I put a t-shirt, it doesn't sell within the first week as I thought it would, and then I go back to the drawing table. So what did I do wrong here? Why aren't people buying this design? And then I can look at the design that I made previously and then see what the differences are there. So to, to answer your question, it's just to get over yourself, you know, Um, you're never going to be happy as an artist right you understand that things are never going to be perfect you have to accept to where you think that it's going to be acceptable to whoever your audience is and just put it out there go out there and put something out that sucks Hmm. and have people tell you it sucks then you can get better at that because not everything you're going to do is going to be a hit or it's going to be great or it's going to be awesome but the, the steps that you take all the sucky steps that you take will eventually lead to something awesome
2: and that was something that you kind of uh, alluded to earlier, which is that it's okay to fail. It's you know Absolutely. you you learn from Absolutely. that failure. Yeah,
1: there's more value in failure than it is success. You know, failure builds character. Um, if you look at anybody that succeeded in any industry or field or music, you, you if you look back in their history, they've failed more times than they succeeded. Uh, you know I, I've never met anyone that's just successful all of the time without any failures in the, in their life because failures is like a you know a rung to a ladder man you, you, every every, every failure's a step towards Lear, you gotta learn how to fail yeah learn how to fail and accept those failures you know I, I failed so much in my life
0: yeah. <laughs> I like to say it's only it's only real failure if you yeah. stop
1: yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely because yeah. uh, um never a failure always a lesson. I learned that from Rihanna. She got a tattoo of that. Oh, I yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Never a failure always a lesson, and it always uh, resonated with me because i failed so many times in life. It, you know, it's going through life, you're trying to find your way, trying to, you know, make your parents happy and then self-happiness too, so.
2: You didn't take that same trajectory into it. Do you feel that failure is a, is a much more comfortable blanket for you to wear that... There's no grade writing upon it or anything like that.
1: You know, honestly, I can't say I'm comfortable failing. I don't, you know, I still don't like failing. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I think it's important to experience it, to take a step back and kind of take a look at it and, and why why you fail. I mean, failing subjective, too. And going back, you know, to your students, um, uh, I just want to say that a lot of students won't Understand it until it happens to them, because I think experience is the best teacher. You can try to tell somebody as many times you want, you you got to fail, you got to fail. But if someone's so afraid of failing and it just paralyzes them, they don't pursue it at all, then that's the, the biggest failure is so how do you communicate that to your students, right?
2: Yeah. Do you think that that is something that you have learned with age or learned with experience?
1: Both. Yeah. Both. At a younger age, accepting failure was a lot harder. Because you always feel that you're you every time you apply for a job you don't get it or you put out a design, nobody likes it. You always feel like you're not good enough. And you're not good enough and, and feeling not good enough is really detrimental to your your confidence, right? But um you have to accept it and learn that you're not gonna make everybody happy. No matter what you put out, someone's gonna love it, someone's gonna despise it with all of their heart. So that's one thing that you gotta uh, understand too that you're not going to make everybody happy and that's just human nature and when you do put out something a design that you really like the most likely there's a hundred maybe a thousand maybe five thousand other people that like it but there's probably thirty thousand that hate it so what you got to do is just focus on the people that like it and then build upon that I feel
2: like we're we're about the same age and going through that trajectory of becoming a professor and being in front of students and feeling that sense of, uh, imposter syndrome, yes, of, yes. you know, like I'm not a real teacher, you know, I, I don't even know if I'm a real designer or what mm-hmm. am I doing here. Um, and now as I've done it for 14 years, I feel that I'm either really good at making it up or I am really there, <laughs> but it was something that it took a while to, to experience. And I think I'm trying to figure out how to relate to my students yeah. that, Failure is an important aspect of it, and only through failure can you really grow.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, a good thing to do is kind of address the self-doubt. Uh, we all have some kind of self-doubt in, in us. I, I relate to y- your comment about the imposter syndrome. I feel that almost every time. Even being here today is like, why am I here? I don't know if I'm good at it, but I get paid to do it. Yeah. So where does that stand, you know?
2: That's so funny because I feel the opposite. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, he said yes to this podcast. That's amazing. <laughs> like that's a, that's a win for us." <laughs> yeah.
1: Let me let me ask you guys a couple of questions. What what got you into design and you're you've been a professor for many years now and I I think that's a really cool accomplishment. Mm-hmm. I would call that a success to be able to pursue something and then be able to teach it. Yeah. Because being able to teach something is different than doing it.
2: Yeah, definitely. I got into the the short version of the story is I wanted to be a journalist, so broadcasting, yeah, and I was in the school yearbook, my college yearbook, and the advisor for the yearbook was the graphic design professor, so he saw what I was doing and eventually I took a class from him. I really enjoyed it. I figured out how to, to meld uh journalism and design because really what I was interested in was storytelling. Mm-hmm. So similar to what you were talking about is, is telling stories yes. and I found that design was that that aspect of my interest in storytelling that I couldn't find before. So did that, worked as a designer, went back to school got to be a ta for a couple of classes and it got me hooked you know i was like i was alone in the classroom by myself talk about imposter syndrome it was like holy shit here i am yeah. what am i really doing here why 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 am i doing this what challenging everything i uh, all my decisions in life at that moment <laughs> <laughs> but i survived and uh, continued on and then uh, became a professor and you know it's like for me what design has always been about is uh, changing
1: lives yeah so to me it sounds similar to what i experienced right but you would do more of the, the formal way that it was a necessity you had to step up yeah and, yeah. and then you can just kind of discover it and um sometimes people discover that late i mean i didn't start designing till i was 35 i'm 39 now yeah and you know with the resources available online is i think that helped me a lot i wouldn't be able to, to learn design in four or five years say early 2000 right resources mm-hmm. wasn't there yeah so let's go to mm-hmm. chat how about you? What's your story? <laughs> <laughs> well, my story uh, is really
0: about JP uplifting me. <laughs> there you go, see. Uh, not that I'm tooting his horn too much. Uh,
2: no, oh, I please mean toot away. That's yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So I, I mean, I went to college, kind of not really sure what I was wanted to do. I had, I had always, always been interested in uh, photography and videography, there you go. and that's what I thought I was going to do. And but I was also really interested in English, yeah. and I there was a big part of me that, that I wanted to be like a middle school English teacher. And so I was just talking with an advisor and they were like, well, you should take a communication class because mm-hmm. that you know, kind of marries art, art and English. And I was like, all right, like kind of clueless. So I ended up like establishing a major, but I was also taking lots of art classes and decided to, to minor in art. And then I think somehow through that and the fact that communication was in the same building as art and design, I got connected with JP and we had a conversation Uh, The part of that, I remember was him talking. He said this specific thing where he was like, so you're telling me you want and like to make pretty things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's just like in that I knew like just the way he was saying it, no matter what I said, it was both the right answer and the wrong answer. (laughs) 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 Um, But so then I ended up taking a class with JP and and. There was a certain amount of like the grayness of all of it that really appealed to me because there was no right answer. It was like everybody in the class could approach a problem differently oh, and come absolutely. up with a correct answer. It was just you know there's different effective solutions. and there was something about that that I really liked. So then I kind of like honed into that and I kept taking classes and then um, coming out of school like I was like, oh, like I really like this design thing. I'm not sure about it. And so I found jobs where I could do all of it and kind of learned through doing what i liked more and what i liked less and then just kind of went from there and so you know it was just kind of through following things i knew i liked and then getting experience doing it and then learning what you do and what you don't
1: yeah i think that's awesome i think the lesson that i'm learning here from both of you guys that it's not necessarily that you find a passion Mm -hmm. it just kind of finds you as you stumble along life and try to pursue like you wanted to get into photo and videography by pursuing that, you ended up to where you are today. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. JP, with the same thing. Yeah, definitely. Journalism what well, led you to design? So the the lesson is, is there's no one right way. There's no one right path. Definitely. You just got to pursue you and your passion, and then continue to do it. And and when you pursue one thing, it opens up the door to many other things. So mm-hmm. I, um, we are all here today because we are all on different paths. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: And here we are, you know, kind of intersecting here. Where do you think your path is leading you next?
1: That I don't know. That I never know. I'm not, that's one of my biggest weaknesses is planning. I'm not a good planner, but my ultimate goal is with my experience in, you know, audio production, video and graphic and marketing too. I've been in the marketing industry for as long as I've been in graphic design now. Um, eventually, my ultimate goal is to really have my own agency marketing agency media multimedia agency so we could provide services to um, you know more of the underserved communities that need quality graphics or quality videos for their organizations and businesses Mm -hmm. because you know there there's a market out there for that and a lot of people need help with that
2: what's next what's
1: um, well let me ask you about your uh your uh, your teacher life when you're teaching these classes are you assigning projects where uh, they can like displayed in a real life situation say hey uh, this organization needs a billboard let's as a class come up with a design and maybe you know the, just as something tangible for them just a result for them to see that's like oh my god i did this in class oh yeah yeah. Awesome. Yeah,
2: yeah definitely what we do especially in the upper level classes is um, a project with a, a client outside of the university mm-hmm. we looked at their annual reports and said hey this would be a suggestion of how we would approach it and i mean it's not that we have an expectation that they're going to use our designs right, but right. at least they give some feedback uh, to, to the students and the students get an opportunity to, to get that real life situation of yeah, here's yeah. what it's like to act with a client here's what it's like to interact with data that you have no idea mm-hmm. and you don't have someone to just you know raise your hand and say i don't get this can you do it for yeah, me yeah yeah
1: yeah I, I think uh, uh, one thing that i learned a lot dealing with clients freelancing with design and even video work is just um how to interact with the client how to accept feedback and revision and when to say no and when to what to charge i mean i'm sure all that is taught and invoicing invoicing is new to me oh yeah yeah (laughs) it's such it's so annoying the, the business side. But you need side. to invoice to get paid, right? Like, yeah. It's like, oh, i got to send an invoice. But, you know, there's invoicing programs out there that makes it a little bit easier. Just getting started, and it's just, just it's all new to me. So, yeah. Especially if you're in, like, a liberal
0: arts education, there's opportunity to go take classes in the business school or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I mean, that is a, a gap in some way.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to, to to know how to do these things, because I didn't know how to do these things, and, you know, you just kind of figure out as you go. Yeah. Yeah. But you know the business side of it, taxes. Because you know I've been freelancing for a couple of years now, and you know you gotta pay taxes on 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 you know what would you build your clients. And yeah. that's mm-hmm. all new to me too. And, you yeah. know,
2: quarterly taxes. Quarterly that's tax. of if, yeah,
1: if your own business, and then the city that you work mm-hmm. in, you would probably require a business license from the state, and then each the city that you work in too. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that, that's not designed, but it's part of it if you yeah. become a.
2: Oh no, this is this is the important things that. Yeah.
1: Um, that we often mm-hmm. overlook. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's part of how design works. Yeah. yeah. I just want to touch on that a little
2: bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is literally design school right here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What would be some of the other things that you would say uh, would be important for getting out there and, and designing? Um,
1: d- build your portfolio. Have an online portfolio is crucial to getting work. Cause when, uh, uh, more important than your resume or cover letter, uh, if you're doing design work, people are always going to s- want to see your work. What have you done? who have you worked with are you easy to work with you know have references if you do a good job and and people really like you you know ping them for references uh, you, some people put reviews on their website i think that's a valuable thing to do and also just learning how to deal with different types of clients a lot of the time well most of the time a lot from my experience the clients really don't know what they want to see but they know exactly what they don't want so there's been several times where i've designed Uh, capability statements for businesses you know there's like their one sheet resume and they gave me a word document i just make it look pretty and try to have a meeting first to see where they're coming from and what their design style is asking for examples of what they want to look like because you know you don't want to do the same work two or three times so be upfront set expectations in the beginning and how many revisions you're willing to do before you start charging more. It's always good to over-communicate when you're dealing with a project and a client because when a lot of trouble can happen if you're not setting the expectations in the beginning and then you're like 30 revisions in and you say, well, I gotta charge you for this, but they didn't yeah. expect it. And just learning little things like that would can create a huge impact on, on, on your self-worth too because sometimes you get clients that are really difficult to work with and then when you design things, you like things a certain way. Uh, sometimes the client don't like the rule of design. They, they like comic sans. Sometimes you just got to oh use, it, give it to the clients. <laughs> 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 now, I've never experienced a client that likes comic sans font, but I just want to use that as an oh example, yeah, yeah. you know. It's an um, extreme. extreme yeah, yeah, you know, some colors go together, some colors don't, and some clients like colors that don't go together. And you kind of have to compromise yeah. with yourself and with them and try to explain to them the best you can. But at the end of the day, you're creating whatever you're creating for them so they they ultimately are are the boss and you have to give it the result that they like so that can be frustrating too as a creative designer right mm-hmm. you want to do oh this. definitely <laughs> yeah yeah
2: um speaking of those like um real life experiences in the classroom uh, i often will do that to students we, i call it creative constraints mm-hmm. where I, I limit the a uh, type of ability that they have to do certain things. So yeah. it's like you have to fit it into this you know amount of pages or you can't use color you can't do these things because those are requirements that sometimes they will receive mm-hmm. when doing a project. yeah you know, it's like uh, I only got you know200 dollars to do this project so no yeah. color and it's got to be copy machines yeah and, and I can't pay you anything and you know you fill in the blank with everything and so how do you work under those types of constraints?
1: Well, it's a challenge. Each situation is unique. Um, You have to think about if it's worth your time, if it's worth pursuing. Um, You have to look at the overall benefit of the people you're working with, too. Um, Is this client going to give you more work? Is this client going to refer me? Is this client worth it? I mean, I've been in situations where I'll just cut off a client and not work with them again because they were too difficult, not because um, they were difficult in a sense they were bad people. We just didn't work along great and it's good to recognize that early so you're not wasting your time and their time you know because many people work differently you just got to be prepared to um, use your experience and knowledge because a lot of them won't give you the information necessary to begin a design i hear this a lot and it it's it cracks me up uh, make it pop Hmm. Hmm. can you just make it pop like what does that mean
2: I'm yeah. not even sure if they know what it means. It it's <laughs> it like means some they sp- don't like it yet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That, that's true. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. And, but I think get familiar with c- their clients is learning the here's what they're saying, and then being able to translate into like what that means into design, putting your design hat on, and be
1: like, oh, like. I think that comes from experience, experience, because you don't automatically know how to translate what a client's telling you. You just gotta keep pursuing different types of clients so yeah yeah i mean sometimes when the client doesn't give you enough information to start a design that means they don't know what they want but they know exactly what they don't want so so it just depends who the client is if you have a deadline i'll just you know sometimes i'll just whip something up to tell me that this shit sucks Mm -hmm. let's take this out take this out take this out like all right yeah then there's more direction there but uh, yeah, it's difficult. You guys just learn how to maneuver, and it, it just comes from experience. And you just got to get it, go yourself out there. And ne- I think more important than being a good designer is networking, getting to know people, um, attend events. Because you know, I'm not the best graphic designer out there, but I know the most people, and you know, I've built you know a reputation with my clients. And they, you know, usually when you have a good reputation with clients, they they will always come back.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I feel like I see you around, or I, I see your name in things. Uh, y- you are everywhere. You're you're like the the go-to person.
1: Yeah, I want to be thing. a good resource for people. If I can't do it, I I want to be able to say, oh, I know somebody who can provide that for you. Yeah,
0: yeah. I wanted to circle back to um, the Red Scar Revolution and this idea of like building a brand to like encourage you know representation of a community that you felt like was a gap. Is that purely for serving the community, or is there any sort of almost like activist piece to speak outside of that community too, or is it just through like representation that that happens does uh, that make sense
1: yeah yeah i think it's all of the all of the above um f- first i want to get my community the youth in my community interested um pique their interest in the mm-hmm. history a little bit or whatever and say oh wow that design's cool the question i get a lot is what does that mean and, and it gives opens an opportunity to start a conversation first off, that's the community i want to a hit right and, mm-hmm. and after that we could expand towards that because um, a lot of people don't know about the Cambodian history so once I equip our youth with the knowledge is easier as a community to go out there and communicate it with people outside of our community mm-hmm go back to your question I mean a lot of the, the the clothing and design is not very inclusive to you know other other you know other communities mm-hmm. and um, I'm looking to expand that a little little more but th- the main goal was when it first started is just to create something that can be just for us right mm-hmm. so they can feel proud and identify with something that wasn't available before but once uh, we establish that i think it's important to use the platform to continue to reach out to different communities as an activism platform and social justice platform too and that's what it's really becoming is not just clothing right the clothing is just one of the vehicles that i use to kind of try to spread the message of uh, our history and how important it is to not forget especially um, honoring our parents and our our culture and traditions
0: it's, it's interesting because like a few weeks ago i was having a conversation with some, some people i went to school with and we were uh, talking about like what is design act- activism and like what does that mean and how do you define that listening to you to talk i mean you're using the word branding and design and, and things like that and talking about the community but you're also using the word activism so i'm curious about like what does the word activism mean for you um. So, uh, in, especially uh, when you pair it with design. When
1: you pair design, it activates it was just get people to be motivated to to uh, take action, mm-hmm. not just sit back and be dormant and passive, to uh, so be more, I guess, engaged in the issues that affect our community. And you know, branding and design it plays a huge part in that and social impact. If people like what you're doing, um, they're they're attracted to your design or the message you're putting out. It, may or may not encourage him to get more active and more engaged in the community so i think it's important if you look at designs with you know obama's campaign with shepherd ferry doing his poster i think the impact of an artist making a poster like that is is huge because people look at it it looks great but being more than looking great what's the message behind it you know that hope poster that he put out and it's it's it resonates with you and who you are as a person. Like branding is trying to connect with people, and 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 it becomes an extension of who they are, you know? Right? Right? So Rescarf Revolution, that's one of the main goals too, is to become extension of who you are. What do you stand for? Well, Rescarf Revolution stands for history, um, bridging the path, and being more knowledgeable and being able to share that. So to create a brand and a design that resonates with somebody, it's. And the impact of that is huge because then it it's like a domino effect It keeps on going and it just continues to impact people in a positive way and that's the ultimate uh, goal. Mm-hmm. If there's
0: one thing you wish you knew now that you would have known sooner, what would that be?
1: Um, man, everything. Uh, just just knowing that resources, uh, access to resources are out there because you know, growing up, being young, you didn't know what was out there. Graduating high school, I was really lost, no guidance. Um, I just wish I knew that. The hard work you put in is what you get out, pretty much.
2: Mm-hmm. I like that one. Um, we're trying a different segment for this season. Uh we're calling it the recommendations. Um, so if you're if you're up for it, I'm gonna give you a quick fire recommendation questions. Sure. Yes. See what you get for there. Okay. So uh first recommendation. Um Music to design to.
1: Oh, I, I I don't have any music to design to. Um, I love music, but when I when I'm working, I like it to be quiet. So you're you're
2: more of the silence, silence
1: and ambience, yeah. uh, the outside ambience. I, I get inspired by what's around me. Mm-hmm. I, I think music will drown that out and takes it takes away from me. And then, then you know, I like to listen to music. Then I'll start focusing on the music. So I can't work with music.
2: <laughs> Best comfort food.
1: Ooh, uh, fa uh, or katio noodles. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
2: who should I follow on Twitter?
1: If you haven't already, follow Nate Bowling. Yeah. He's 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 got a fun account to follow. He's a good dude. Um, who else to follow? Who's Who's Nate Bowling? Nate Bowling's a teacher at Lincoln High School mm-hmm. here in Tacoma, Washington. In 2016, he was Washington State's Teacher of the Year. Hmm. Um, he serves a lot of. Uh, Uh, marginalized communities that went to lincoln high school i went to lincoln high school too and just just an overall good person good dude and and really smart man um who else um
2: he also has a podcast called the nerd farmer podcast which Mm. subscribe if you haven't Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i'm I'm on i'm on that podcast talked about the cambodian community and how to you know the deportation issues Um, who else to follow on twitter it's not on twitter but um facebook my favorite facebook page right now is uh christians against weed drugs it's um i don't know if it's a parody site but if you go on there it's so funny it's so out of the off the wall they're, <laughs> they're so against marijuana they would say marijuana will cause you to it's so it's funny it's i don't i'm I'm like 99% sure it's a parody site. Okay. Uh, It's just so ridiculous. (laughs) I'll have to check it out. Christian weed drugs. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny.
0: Something to watch.
1: Oh, uh, Kim's Convenience on Netflix. If you guys haven't seen it, it's a show that takes place in Toronto about a Korean family that runs a convenience store. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I first watched it, watched season one, season two, and I got hooked. Uh, It's about, you know, an immigrant family and just trying to – build community within their store it's hilarious it'll make you cry and laugh with it within uh a minute of it so i that's highly recommended Um, i'll I'll check it out oh i just Uh recently watched the um the documentary on quincy jones too Hmm. it's very inspiring yeah he's man he's a legend like a living legend he's touched every musician's career that has done great things from like uh Ella Fitzgerald to Michael Jackson the yeah. Prince—it's amazing. His his career is so amazing. Yeah, and uh, he's uh he's he used to live in Seattle too for a couple of years. Really? So you I know, didn't that? know that? Yeah. yeah, 1944, I think, is he was in Seattle huh. for a couple of years.
2: Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, anything that we didn't cover that you want to cover, Salon?
1: So no, I think I'm good. Th- uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, it's great talking with you guys, and uh, I'm looking forward to learning more from you guys.
2: Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you.
0: This Is Design School is recorded in the field where design happens.
2: The music for This Is Design School is composed and recorded by Michael R. Clark. You can find
0: Michael online at musiclabtacoma.com.
2: For additional information about each episode, visit thisisdesign.school.
0: We'd love to hear what you like, what you don't like,
2: and what you'd want to hear in the future. Follow the podcast on Twitter at TIDSpodcast.
0: Also, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and share us with your designer friends. Bye for now.